welcome to this, the first in the third series of Talking Terminal, which means, by the way, that we've done 22 episodes in the first two series, and this is the 23rd. You're amazed you're still awake, I assume. This is going to be a relatively simple podcast with really three things. Firstly, a canter through stuff. Secondly, a bit of an update on how I am, which is not great news. And thirdly, I wanted to just touch base on a couple of books that I've been reading, which are fun. So let's get on with it. So how are things going generally? For those of you that read the blog, some of this may be repetitious, for which I apologise. And I apologise for the slight lack of tone in this podcast as well. There's quite a lot of police helicopters flying around and I've got a limit to the amount of noise cancelling I can achieve. I also am coughing a lot at the moment. To be blunt, the cover story for all of this, the wrapper, is that there is a sense of decline in my health confirmed by my doctor and by my hospice team. They're not my hospice team, it's ridiculous to say that, but the hospice team that treat me. And there is no doubt that the interaction between the cancer and the tumour in my left lung over the bronchus, wrapped around the bronchus, is beginning to have some cruel and slightly heartless impact. I'm coughing up blood a fair bit, I'm coughing a lot and generally I'm feeling quite unwell. You can really hear those helicopters and aeroplanes actually as well. Don't know what's going on. So all in all that's not particularly good news. Added to which I am very tired a lot of the time, which again they put down to the energy consumed by the treatment as well as the cancer. Cancer grows and to grow it uses up energy. I know it sounds simple when you first hear it. It sort of shocked me, but but once you understand it like that, you know why you're so tired. So that doesn't mean everybody who's tired has got cancer, by the way. So I am spending much more time um, in bed or on a sofa, mainly in bed actually, than I ever have in the past. And for those of you that know me well, which, (coughs) excuse me, must be most of you, um, I've always had boundless energy. That boundless energy is no longer present and I really have to fight to draw on energy reserves and in all honesty if I do draw on energy reserves I pay a price for it in the following few days. So the hospice and my GP are both suggesting I try and limit more who I see, when I see them and what I do, which is not me at all but maybe the most sensible thing to do I suspect. Without going into too many of the gruesome details 
I'm also spending a lot of time coughing and mainly coughing up phlegm and blood, which is perfectly normal for this stage in the condition. The danger is that, and I've had this happen to me twice, the blood doesn't stop coming up quickly. Um, it's called a hemorrhage by any other name. And when you get a hemorrhage, there is a debate about is it going to go on forever until you go to accident and emergency or the emergency room for friends and relatives in the States or does it mend itself? Who knows? And I'm not going to rush off to accident and emergency every time that happens. It's happened twice. The hospice says it's a real warning sign of things not going the way I'd like them to. And I need to be prepared that at some point I will need to head off to accident and emergency. Why I'm ambivalent about going to accident and emergency is the one near me. Whilst I get into the major's triage area really quickly, because I've got a neutropenia danger card, do not pass go, do not collect £500, immediately let this patient get in. And they do that, they're really good at it. But subsequent to that, you can be kept waiting in, I got kept waiting nine hours a few weeks ago to just rule out that I did not have an embolism at the top of my right lung when I'd mistakenly complained to the oncology team that I had a pain in my top right lung after I'd been coughing a lot. I thought I'd pulled a muscle. They said, you might have done, but you might have an embolism. Go immediately to accident and emergency. The only good news, uh, which you'll hear about later, is it gave me the chance to read books. You'll know the books I've been reading because uh, in a minute I'm going to talk about them. So health-wise, things are somewhat declining. That doesn't mean I'm on a fast pathway to death, but I'm not doing brilliantly well. In addition, the treatment I'm on is the last line of defence. There are three lines of defence in the United Kingdom for people with colorectal cancer that cannot be treated. Important to know that because I have friends and colleagues who have got colorectal cancer who are going to be very successfully treated by line one. In my case, there is no successful treatment. There are just treatments that contain things, and that's very different. And I've already had the first line of defense, oxaliplatin. That worked for 23 rounds. It was great. Then it stopped working, and I had the second line of defense, that was called Folfiri. It was administered in a very strange way, which I described in a, in a previous blog. And that didn't work so well. And then finally, I'm on Lonsurf. It sounds, sounds good, Lonsurf, doesn't it? It sounds like something the Beach Boys might do in their later lives. It turns out that it doesn't involve an infusion. It simply involves taking a few tablets. Well, it involves taking two tablets 
twice a day for five days. You then have a break for two days. You then do five days more. You then have a break for 14 days. It is worth reading the nuance because it's the break for two days that counts. What that told me was this was probably going to be a bastard of a treatment. And indeed, it has turned out to be most unpleasant. If you said what is unpleasant, I couldn't quite define it. It leaves me exhausted. It leaves me with a general sense of malaise. I spend a lot of time in bed. And to be honest, I don't feel any better having taken it. That doesn't mean I'm not better. I just don't feel it. I'll know in four rounds of treatment. So in four months, and I've already gone through two rounds of treatment. So in two months, I'll know whether I'm benefiting from it when a CT scan is done. Why can't you do a CT scan earlier than that? Because we are dealing with tumours growing in millimetres. And if you go too early, you can't tell the growth or otherwise of the tumours. So that's the delight of long surf added to which and I feel it's the only time in the two and a bit years I've had all this stuff, I felt really unfair about the fact that I've had a terrible toothache which emerged about three weeks ago and I could not get it resolved. There are complications around tooth extractions and tooth stuff because of the chemotherapy and the bone strengthening drugs I've been taking. But the net result is it has to be done by the hospital dental surgeons and it took three weeks for them to extract the tooth, which they did yesterday. And I'm now just experiencing the joys of a tooth extraction. The danger with the tooth extraction is that in my case, the bone may not join over the hole that the tooth extraction creates. And that is a feature of the chemotherapy. There's a 90% chance it'll be fine. 90% chance it'll be fine. There's only a 10% chance it won't be. So the odds are really good, but it left me feeling rather uncomfortable. Finally, I'm still doing the Music MA. It's thoroughly enjoyable, it's hard work, and I am just getting on with it as best I possibly can. It's got a lovely set of things about concentration. It's got a really good set of things about taking your mind off other things. There is a but. It's quite complicated, both academically but also at the moment I'm having to write music for games consoles and you might think that's just ordinary music it isn't it's a 50 billion that's billion not million 50 billion pound industry worldwide which is more than cinematic industry um and it's complicated. The game's music is complicated and involves a series of protocols which I've taken much longer to grasp than I ever should have done. But it's a marvellous distraction and I will continue with it for as long as I can. And that's about it. I'm going to now move on to talk about books. The book I'm currently reading 
is by Ken Follett. I'm not a Ken Follett fan at all, but this is an early book he wrote called Pillars of the Earth. And it's about the building of a 12th century cathedral. And it's a fictional story with characters including sort of bad bishops and good archbishops perhaps and Tom the Builder who's a good egg and a local priory head who's very decent. All very nice and it's got a combination of how you build a cathedral in the 12th century without a crane and a sense of what it's like to live both in towns and in the countryside. It's a really good view of that world and I am very much enjoying it. I'm also reading another fabulous churchy book which is slightly strange I acknowledge which is called Going to Church in Medieval England. It's a hardcover uh, and it's by Nicholas Orme and it's broadly about how parish churches at the centre of religious life, really, managed to get people to go and attend. It's, a, it's an academic tome, and in many ways I've no idea why I'm reading it, but it's hard, it's hard work, but it is particularly interesting. Sitting alongside that, I've got ready to go a book by Anthony Doerr, that's D-O-E-R-R, -R, called Cloud Cuckoo Land. He's the guy who wrote All the Light We Cannot See. If you have not read that, I just beg of you to download it via the Kindle. Go buy it. It's the most beautifully written, moving book. It's a true joy, and I strongly suggest it. In addition, I've got Inspector Maigret Omnibus One, which is the George Simenon collection. And I've that's that's published by Alan Lane Penguin. But I've also got Omnibus 2, which is published by the Folio Society, who produced the most beautiful editions with woodcut prints, etc. And I'm very excited to get ready to read that. So there's two books. The Maigret set and Cloud Cuckoo Land, which I'm about to embark on, and the rest I've already read, or I'm nearly finished reading. Obviously, all of that is alongside the music books that I have to read to write the essays, etc., which don't half keep me going. And that's about it. So I apologise, as I always do, for not having done a podcast for so long. What you have to bear in mind is the production of the podcasts. It's not the talking. It's the production of the podcasts is actually quite time consuming and time consuming equals energy consuming. And that's why you don't hear my voice as often as you did. But this is the 23rd episode and I think you could tell if you went back to the first there is a slight change in the solidity and tone of my voice, regrettably. It's more croaky and more coughing, and I can't do anything about that. 
Anyway, um, I might manage to get one more podcast done before Christmas. We've just celebrated Hanukkah, um, but might get one done before Christmas. If not, there'll be one in 2022. And meantime, I hope the music that is about to play lulls you to sleep. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.